Hi, it's Janny from Janny Organically and the Very, Very Quite Contrary podcast. And speaking of contrary, we've got Dr. Jess here today. She is a medical doctor, first of all, if you aren't already aware of her and her work. Um, I've been following her along on Instagram for a while at dr.jess.md and she shares a lot of information there and it became apparent that she really knows her stuff when it comes to cannabis and so I asked if she would come on and discuss this topic with you. It is one of my most requested topics to shed light on and so I needed somebody who knew more about this than I did and so Dr. Jess is a MD, as I mentioned, and she was trained in Western medicine. And as she began her internal medicine residency, she, and she started to experience some symptoms of her own. She started to notice the more allopathic medicine approach, just creating lifelong customers, this revolving door of chronic illness. And so kind of opened her eyes into, well, why are we not using these technological advances, um, we're instead using these outdated practices to to treat. It's more of a sick care practice. And so she began to dive into the world of more holistic healing and nutrigenomics and stem cells and cannabis. So she is a wealth of knowledge. We have a lot of questions for her today that we're going to cover, uh, you know, even from the basics of what is THC versus CBD? What's full spectrum mean? And indica versus sativa? And is it really relevant? What's the endocannabinoid system? And what is the federal government's role? Is it legal? Is it not legal? What can we do in states that are medically um, allowing this? And what about the ones that have legalized it for recreational use. And so we're covering that and more. Oh, and pregnancy. I know you all wanted me to to talk about pregnancy. So we've got some insight into that specific topic as well. So that and more that Jess is going to cover. And um, yeah, I think you're going to be excited. So I hope you like it. All right. Welcome, Dr. Jess, to my new podcast. Thank you for so much for coming on and talking to me about something that is um, a lot of people are very passionate about and want to learn more about, which is cannabis. Hi, Janie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely honored to be on here. So. Yes, I'm so excited to kind of <laughs> dive in. But um, you are a medical doctor, and you practice out of San Diego. Correct. So most medical doctors, they have a maybe a more mainstream view of cannabis. So how did you start, um, you know, exploring weed and (laughs) come to maybe some different conclusions than the more conventional doctors? Well, that's a great question. You know, I don't know, out of all these cannabis podcasts I've done, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question. So, um, you know, I hail from West Virginia originally. So I come from a place where people grew this stuff in their backyards and everyone knew it and kind of did it anyway, regardless of it being highly illegal. And, you know, I I would be lying if I didn't say that I haven't used CBD and cannabis in some of my very emotionally traumatic things that have happened to me before, you know, that I viewed as a stress and it really helped me. And so I started to kind of look at the science and look at how across the board, allopathic medicine just sort of shut this down and took all their advice from three-letter acronym government institutions that I don't necessarily um, believe always have 
uh, our best interest at heart. It, I think everything is a business and fueled by money. And right. so um, I really had to kind of, it's sort of like Oz. You have to pull back the curtain to see who's actually running the show. Right. Um, and when All I started, of the money. That's always. right. That's right. And when I finally started doing that, I started to say, wow, there is actually tons of scientific studies on this stuff and tons of science and research updating thousands of years back to even, you know, Chinese times, back when they had emperors who used this mm-hmm. for certain conditions. And so, um, you know, the research is really there and the doctors are just um, – basically scratching the surface and not doing their own research on this plant is what right. I feel. And when you when you talk about there's so much research out there, um, there, there is tons of data on any number of things. But do you feel like there is a, like a limited amount of current studies done because um, it hasn't been legalized, that there's, there is a kind of frown, it's frowned upon from the medical community to even... Yes. Sponsor these studies? Yes. And and it's unfortunate, you know, our hands are kind of tied because, you know, it is it is still unfortunately a, a schedule one according um to the DEA with no medicinal benefit. However, the government owns the patent, which is kind of double talk. So right. <laughs> so you know, there is a lot of research on the endocannabinoid system. However, there would be a plethora, like this would be the wild, wild west if they would uh, you know, release that schedule one um title, you know, we would have a lot more open research on this. Right now, a lot of our studies come from Israel, where they've been studying this and have much more lax laws to allow research to happen. Interesting. And so I think um, for some of my listeners who maybe aren't familiar with um, cannabis in general, that it is federally illegal. So that means like across the United States that it is illegal, but it's up to the states specifically to decide if it is um, legal for recreational use and Mm -hmm. or legal for medicinal use. And with medicinal use, you would need to have a medical card um, to use it in such such a fashion, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent explanation. Yeah. And so if, um, so technically though, if we, we in California, it has now been legalized recreationally. Um, Mm -hmm. if if the federal government felt like they had a bone to pick with somebody, they could technically go in and disrupt that. Oh yes, absolutely. So they are kind of picking and choosing who's, who they want to come down on. Um, that I've definitely heard, um, legitimate stories about them going into, you know, smoke shops and reading all the labels and confiscating things. In fact, um, you know, I gave a speech on cannabis this year at A4M, which is the largest anti-aging conference in the world in Vegas. And I had been there two years prior and seen every other vendor booth be CBD. And it was the thing. It was blowing up. And then um, this year when I went to speak, there was no CBD vendor booth. And I asked, what's going on? And they said last year, the DEA walked up in this conference with a vendor booth in Vegas and confiscated every single CBD product, every single hemp product, read the instructions and said, you're never allowed to have this here again. And and um, in fact, because that happened, during my speech, I asked how many MDs, DOs, naturopaths were there. And I said, how many from the DEA? And they absolutely raised their hand because they have to disclose. So they were there at a how doctor's conference. Two. Okay. Two. And they were there at a doctor's conference listening to our speeches on cannabis. 
after they confiscated the CBD. So absolutely, the DEA can um, just pick and choose who they want to come down on, and their 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 um, authority supposedly trumps the state in some instances. Mm-hmm. Instances, yeah. So okay, um, I think maybe we should explain, or maybe you should because <laughs> you're more the expert. Um, what's the difference between CBD and THC? And then I would, as a follow-up, why would they be confiscating CBD, which if it's derived from a certain, uh, maybe hemp only, there's no THC in it? So, um, great question. So the difference between CBD and THC. So, you know, um, cannabis in general has, um, it's a catch-all for lots of different conditions because it has so many different constituents. Um, over 400 compounds and only about 150, 200 we've labeled and recognized. So um, it has so many different constituents in it. Some of them are psychoactive. Some of them are more anti-inflammatory. Some promote sleep. And what I'm talking about, there are the different cannabinoids within the plant. And CBD is one of the cannabinoids. There's also CBG, CBN, CBC, CBD, like I mentioned, and then THC. Mm-hmm. There's also THCA. And so THC is the psychoactive part of the plant. It's famous for what we call getting people high. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, CBD is not. It is more anti-inflammatory. It has a lot of positive benefits on mood um, and influencing endocannabinoid system, which coincidentally, I wasn't taught about in medical school, but we have right. one, each one of us, and it's integral in pain and movement, perception, and so many different things we found out now. So, um, you know, really, CBD is the non-psychoactive part of the plant. You would think that it would be legal, but federally, all of it is still illegal. And they actually just had a go around with the farm bill, um, which was supposed to protect hemp, but when the bill was passed and gone through, it actually protects the hemp growers and not the suppliers of hemp oil. So this is all still federally illegal. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so hemp, which is CBD only, no THC properties, is federally illegal because it's anti-inflammatory? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the federal government still um, is not releasing any of this. And that's, I'll be honest with you, I think it's because they, they want to monetize this and make their own products, and then they're going to have all kinds of rigorous standards. It's going to be more like a drug, I'm afraid. Well, right, because I did see, um, I mean, I feel like it was a couple of years ago that they had announced, like some pharmaceutical company was in works to create their uh, synthetic version of cannabis, of THC or CBD, I can't remember which one it was, but to prescribe to patients who are using the natural version, which mm-hmm. they could grow themselves, but now they want to sell it It's to unfortunate. You. Yeah. One example that I've seen recently is Apolodex is the name of it. And I, I can't remember who makes it. Maybe GW Pharmaceuticals, who, by by the way, has done most of the cannabis studies, research studies out there. But this drug is um, approximately $30,000 a month, and it's for refractory seizures for children. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, I just, I'm like, where, when is it unethical at 20000 at 10000 When right. is it unethical to do this when you know this is a natural substance? Yeah, you know, I have um, a, uh, a contact who does the, like, Rick Simpson type oil, where it's like the, um, the very thick molasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what the ca- cancer patients use, but she's doing it in a fashion that's not using any harmful extra or, um, you know, extract methods. And, um, you know, for a cancer patient, the supply of like this, you know, um, substance that is extracted only from like the, the buds and it's very highly concentrated. You're talking maybe three to four grand a month for, and 
And so 30,000 sounds like an exorbitant amount for a synthetic version. <laughs> right. For the FDA approval. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the FDA uh-huh. approval. Uh-huh. Um, and so one thing, you know, from my background, when I look at like ingredients, and so maybe you can tell me if I'm coming at this from the right way or if it's a little bit different um, with something like cannabis is that like take essential oils, for example, um, you know, that you, you take a plant and you're, you know, um, boiling down essentially uh, the, es- the essence of, of that. And some fragrance companies have come in and they're taking isolated constituents from the essential oil and using it in the fragrance. And, and mm. my, my reaction to that is, well, the plant is designed to work the way the plant is designed, like they they all react to each other in that environment. And so when you remove certain constituents, I don't know that it's been necessarily proven that that one constituent on its own is now safe without the other parts. And so would something like CBD, and you, you go through a process that you remove the THC, is it removing some synergistic effects? That's a great question. And it all depends on how they extract the novelly, the plants. You know, some people do a cold ethanol extraction and some people do a CO2 extraction, both of which are pretty clean and whatever works for them. And yeah, you do absolutely in that um, cold ethanol process and crystallation process, you actually do remove a lot of the cannabinoids and THC and things like that. That's why they test parts per million or parts per billion on the third party testing and COA certificate of analysis Mm -hmm. to see exactly how much is in there. And so you want to look to see if their certificate analysis is in parts per million or parts per billion. That's important too. The other thing is that um, they remove THC by using um, different wavelengths and different temperatures. So Mm -hmm. it's all very um, tailored to what company you're using. So that's why it's important to know what questions to ask. Right. And you mentioned the certificate of analysis. So you see some brand being promoted. Let's take Instagram, for example, and it's Mm -hmm. it's a CBD. It's a, it's, derived from hemp or wherever, Mm -hmm. um, you can email them and say, can you please provide me for your certificate of analysis, right? Yes, yes. And so what are you looking for on that? I mean, first of all, if they don't want to give it to you, that's a red flag. Yes. And B, (laughs) once they give it to you, what are you looking for? So, you know, that's the thing. You want to look for whole plants. Um, For example, you know, total or full spectrum, and that's a buzzword that a lot of people are using without really knowing what it means, and it really is the wild, wild west of CBD right now, and they're not all created equal. So, you know, for example, there's some companies taking out specific constituents and cannabinoids like CBN, CBG, and we don't know how those react in the body individually. The Mm -hmm. whole plant has been shown through studies to have an entourage effect. And so when you get that COA, in my opinion, it's important to look and make sure that you have CBD, CBN, CBG, CBC, and 0.3% THC, which is, you know, they say below the legal limit, but then what's legal now, right? So I truly feel that THC is necessary even in just 0.3, 0.2% to activate Mm -hmm. the other cannabinoids in the plant. So 
I don't really believe in THC-free CBD unless someone's in the military and they have rigorous drug testing. And mm-hmm. at that point, you know, you do need to be a little bit more careful. But you want to look for all those constituents. That's, you know, they activate each other just like, you know, all the different shoe galls and ginger alls and ginger. Activate mm-hmm. ginger and make it powerful. Um, and, you know, when you remove single constituents, you know, this is the wild, wild west. There's no FDA regulation. There's nobody mm-hmm. looking at this. So it's people making their own claims that aren't necessarily true all the time. Right. Okay. But but in regards to hemp specific, yes. there wouldn't be any THC in that. So they wouldn't be able to say there's 0.3 THC in they, hemp CBD? They actually can. Yeah. Hemp sometimes does have a little bit of THC. Oh, it's I didn't know It's all that. how it's bred. Yeah, absolutely. It's all how it's bred. And so, um, you know, these are just really... Um, it's the exact same plant, just a different species. Um, and so it's all in the, in the inner workings of the genetics of the plant, how they've ch- chosen to crossbreed it. Interesting. Really. Yeah. So um, I do, I also want, you, you mentioned THCA. Does that it's, mean activated THC? It's actually not. THC, um, THCA is non-psychoactive. And it's actually um, what... Um, the THC is broken down to in the body. So um, it's it's actually something that's very useful and still um, helps to synergize the endocannabinoid system. But it's not, it's it's funny because you think THC, you think that's going to be, um, get you high, but the THCA is a little bit different. Interesting. Yeah. And so maybe let's talk a little bit about application versus ingesting versus smoking, maybe. Yes. Um. Because obviously there, there's a lot of CBD only products that you can buy even online and have them shipped. And my, from my understanding, you can't mail anything with THC. Is that correct? Like you can't like ship correct. something. Correct. Um, that would be considered like a literal federal offense, right? Right, exactly. You know, you don't want to, you know, they do ship CBD oil and hemp oil with 0.3% THC. There are people doing that, you know, interstate-wise across state lines. Um, So there are people doing that, um, and it's a very gray area. So, you know, uh, but like something like Rick Simpson oil, like you mentioned earlier, which is high and very rich in THC, then yes, that is... Um, highly illegal. So when I was first, actually, I'll come back to the um, the c- comparison stuff. But with um, with Rick Simpson oil, this was a few years ago. I was researching different things to man- help me manage my insulin sensitivity, and for some reason, I had come across this Rick Simpson oil, and I so I you know do what I do, and I dug deep and tried to figure out what this was. And I started calling people who were saying that they were making it, you know, in their home, and they were selling it. And the number of people um, at within California and outside of California that told me they would ship it, I was like, um, yeah, no, because I feel like as a recipient, I would be just as guilty and I don't trust you, um, for even, <laughs> for even saying that you can do that. Um, but what's interesting is that it, it did on a very, um, cause I was taking just a tiny little bit, like half the size of a rice grain and mm-hmm. it, it helped. And I actually gave it to my dad who is type two diabetic and he was able to get off of, um, his insulin. No just, way. Yes. And he was like, he's like one of those Excel geeks who would like chart the whole <laughs> thing. And he's taking it to his doctor showing, look, look what's happening. And, um, I think he's just stopped taking it because, um, 
he he was starting to get up earlier and earlier and he just still felt the the psychoactive effects yeah and so he had to kind of wean himself off that's of it. the one thing with rick simpson oil um you know in in cancer patients we actually want them to try and get up to a full syringe um rather than just a grain or two and right. in some people you know with cancer their livers just don't work very well so mm-hmm. it's you get up the next they get up the next day and they're high the whole next day yeah and so you really it's a, it's you have to choose you know you have to find the balance between quality of life and also treatment right so um so back to like the application so obviously if you are um applying t uh, cbd or even thc for that matter topically there sh- you shouldn't be getting high is my understanding you might have there's some people that that can experience a high with a topical thc right exactly you know they actually um in California and Oregon, I've found places where they're giving like cannabis massages. Um, Yeah. So, you know, people can, if they have a high dose, you know, all over the body, feel a little bit of the psychoactive effects, but mainly not, um, mainly not too much unless it's a high, high dose of THC. But again, doesn't that just exemplify how everything we put on our skin matters because it's absorbed. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so uh, my husband, Charlie and I, we've had a a few different topicals um, because he has a a slip disc in his back. He's Mm. been struggling for like 20, I mean, this is a 28 year old injury that he, I'd found out, you know, when we were married that he was taking anywhere from six to eight ibuprofen a day to manage the pain. And that was the only thing that helped him. And so, so, but once we, there was a specific oil um, that he put on his back and that was, he's like, it's just as, if not more effective than taking the ibuprofen, yep. but just this, the topical. Now the oil that he used didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. There was, there's a balm that I use that doesn't work for him. And it's so interesting <laughs> that like we, we, we respond differently to different, I mean the same brand too. And I think the same amounts, but it just, our bodies respond differently to That's the amazing. And I hear so many people tell me that, you know, they'll try quality oil that I, that I've recommended and not feel anything. And, you know, and those, sometimes people need a little bit of THC to distract them from the pain or put mm-hmm. them to sleep. It, there's no judgment. You know, everybody's endocannabinoid system is very different. Just like our dopamine and serotonin systems are so different too. Right. Yeah. And so when now, especially in California, there are a lot of these shops that are, that are popping up and they offer a lot of topical stuff. And because I'm, you know, skincare (laughs) and beauty freak, I'm looking at the ingredients Mm -hmm. going, I wouldn't buy 95% of what's in these stores because they're putting like these parabens and uh, ethoxylated ingredients in with the cannabis. And I'm like, that's not clean anymore. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, it's, it's hard to find like good quality, um, you know, stuff. And, and which brings me to my point about the clean green certification, which I'm sure you know about, which you can't say it's USDA organic because that's a federal label. Um, (laughs) so you, they've created their own, right? The clean, the clean green label. It's kind of like the non-GMO label. Yeah. It's these private corporations doing things, which I, I'm perfect. Do it. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so you can actually, you know, search clean, clean, clean green certification and kind of narrow down like what are the what are the brands maybe that that qualify under that that at least give that. you a cleaner, more organic approach to to those products. Um, so you're not because um, I, I just out of curiosity, would weed actually ever be sprayed with Roundup? Oh my gosh, yes. 
um, unfortunately. And um, I actually was concerned there for a while before Monsanto was bought by Bayer that they were really interested in that seed um, and looking at, at can- the cannabis seed in general about how to modify it. I still think oh that there's so, some concern with that because, you know, anywhere the money is to be made, they're mm-hmm. going to be looking. Um, right. And, yeah, absolutely. Herbicides are huge in the Roundup, huge problem um, on marijuana crops. They're very prone to things like mites and mold and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, if people don't know about cayenne or neem or things like that, then, yeah, you, you know, it's dangerous. You really, really need to know where the source comes from. And in organ- now in California, they have everything um, with certain packaging and already pre-labeled, pre-bottled and mm-hmm. tested for all that kind of stuff. Well, and that's it's such a sad what could end up being this vicious cycle, because let's say somebody gets lymphoma from, you know, ramp- like chronic Roundup exposure, like we just saw that mm-hmm. groundskeeper, and then they decide to treat with Rick Simpson oil, and that is a very highly concentrated dose of of this cannabis, also with glyphosate in it. Like, yeah, absolutely. That would be <laughs> that it's, it would almost be defeating the purpose. It's irony to its finest, and I'll tell you, um, the other thing you have to watch out with hemp is, um, you know, hemp are taller, bigger plants, and they actually absorb more from the of the groundwater and things from, and minerals from the soil. Mm-hmm. So we really have to make sure that you know you're not near a power plant or you know um, some sort of factory farm where the runoff is absorbed into the soil yeah. where the hemp plants Location are Location is important. So important. And so would you be more in the camp of like, okay, so this plant was grown, you know, you want it to be like in a more natural environment where it's outdoors and in having exposure to the sun or is a greenhouse more protecting from the outside environmental factors? You know, it really depends on where it's grown. You know, the the company Charlotte's Web who made the famous CBD for little Charlotte who stopped Mm -hmm. her seizures, um, you know, they they are grown outside in the Colorado sunshine and they do a great job, um, you know, really rigorously testing and making sure the soil is of good quality. Um, you know, greenhouses are great too. They're each to each their own. As long as they're doing it right, they understand how plants work. You know, you used a phrase with me, you said biodynamic farming. Yeah. Um, and that is where people should be looking, you know, for the regular, um, farming industry, it is a little woo woo, but you know, for, if you look at indigenous cultures and their ancestors, you know, they did very well with things mm-hmm. like that. And they had, um, you know, it's a healthy microbiome starts with the soil, right. um, and, and healthy plants and everything. Everything else goes with that. I am um, enrolled in Dr. Zach Bush's biology-based ah, camp right now. So I just started I, following him. I just I, started following him. I am very, um, I'm getting immersed in the, the soil aspect. And he's got a documentary coming out where they're actually going to be showing you how they're helping these farmers do regener- regenerative agriculture. Or I guess it's the same, biodynamic farming. Or I think those are pretty interchangeable. Yes. Um, but yeah, this, this is all so important and all the minerals and stuff that are that are in our soil and how things like glyphosate have uh, disrupted the soil's mm-hmm. microbiome. So it's all of it is so important. I mean, I see everyone, whether they eat meat or not, is B12 deficient now. It's nuts. And, you know, that is, that starts with, you know, um, the cows and recycling the soil, pooping mm-hmm. it out. The manure is really important. Right. And it, it is a fertile breeding ground for these microorganisms that, that recycle the B12 for us. So that just goes to show you how stripped the soil is nowadays. I mean, it's a concern. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't know Zach Bush was doing all that. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm um like 
just he's blowing my mind with some of some of this stuff but more the the farming aspect is um mm. very very fascinating what what they're doing there check it out yeah. um so i also um when we were talking about the endocannabinoid system yes so we our bodies from what i understand external internal are covered in receptors that are they kind of like smart like you apply something and and the ones that need it take it how does it work yeah so this is the actually you know it uses something called g protein coupled receptors and this is actually this is a very common receptor in the body this is the most widespread g coupled protein system in our entire body and they just didn't teach me about it in medical school so basically you have cb1 receptors you have cb2 receptors and there's actually a proposed 3b cb3 receptor they also think is in the brain but it's not been discovered yet that's how little we know and so so these CB1 and CB2 receptors are found anywhere from the brain to the bowels to, you know, um, the uterus to the gut. I mean, they are everywhere. And CB1 receptors are found on white blood cells, or excuse me, on um, usually in the organs, the brain, the liver, things like that. CB2 receptors are found on all of our immune cells. So they're absolutely immune modulary for that purpose. Um, so it's, it's this vast this, you know, complete system that works um, and interplays with so many different things. In fact, in my lecture, one of the studies I spoke on was they took mice and they knocked out their CB1 receptor. So doubly knocked out both receptors. And these mice had, the Tylenol had absolutely zero effect on them. And mm -hmm. for a while, we didn't know how acetaminophen or Tylenol, Tylenol worked in the body. And now we know it indirectly works with the endocannabinoid system. So when they don't have those endocannabinoid CB1 receptors, those mice didn't even get any benefit from Tylenol. It was, it was mm -hmm. the endocannabinoid system the entire time. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned like, you know, the, the immune cells having receptors. Would that mean that you would actually have to ingest the cannabis in order for it to reach those cells? Or is would smoking reach it? No, as well? smoking will reach it too. Absolutely. The different modalities. Obviously, I have my preference about which way we should, you know, recommend and medicinally treat. But yeah, it's reached either way. And just because, you know, you tag it with an exogenous, um, you know, cannab cannabinoid doesn't mean it's always good chronically, right? So there, right. Are, there are some risks with anything. I mean, even too much water you can drink can be poisonous. So it's, Absolutely. you know, these things obviously are all in balance. But, you know, um, the endocannabinoid system in general, is meant to function on its own and you're supposed to make your own endogenous cannabinoids in your body but you know just like every other system that i see um immune system or you know serotonin people's systems turn haywire and they get their wires crossed and they don't function properly so this is actually medicinal for that purpose and the immune cells you know it's a huge thing um you know things like low dose naltrexone cannabis things that really can ping our immune system can heal people you yeah know? yeah and like um there are some, I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but, but more THC, like the THC would be considered more anti-cancer. You know, we don't have definitive um, studies on that yet, but um, we, it seems to be so. Yes, it okay. seems to be so that that is more um, anti-carcinogenic um, and does help to stop and slow the growth of some tumors in studies for example, in petri dishes, it would absolutely um, halt and cause some apoptosis, which is cell death in breast and prostate cancer cells and things like that. So they've, they've really um, defined a lot of this in animal studies and mm -hmm. outside the human body. That's awesome. Yeah. And one, one of the, the things I heard that kind of just 
blew my mind. And I went and looked at some of the studies on it. And you can tell me if this is real or not. Um, But a baby, a newborn baby, um, experiences their first cannabinoid through the colostrum Mm-hmm. It's that there's the endocannabinoid system, mm-hmm. and the when they get the colostrum, it then stimulates their appetite, so they suckle more. Yes. Is that true? Yes, and it does so. Oxytocin is also involved in that, which is the love hormone. But um, yeah, absolutely, or you know, the attachment hormone, I should right. say. Um, yeah, absolutely, um, that's so true. And anandamide is our endogenous endocannabinoid. It's what we make in our body. And anandamide is Sanskrit for bliss. And isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And so, um, actually, runners um, release anandamide in their like you know twentieth mile. That's the runner's high. And babies in general, breast milk. You make your own endogenous endocannabinoids in breast milk that are passed to the baby, and that is what helps to they think form the bond between the mother and the child. And I'll, I'll give you another study that you'll like too, Jenny. It's um, there's now evidence showing there's a reason that there's so many CB1 receptors in the uterus, and they actually think that um, it plays a novel role in implantation of the embryo. That's interesting because I was going to bring up, um, you know, is is this safe? I mean, obviously you're not going to say, yeah, pregnant women, you should you should have this, but there there is this war going on between people who want more studies about is cannabis in in any capacity safe for pregnant women because you know when we're carrying these children there are a lot of things that happen in terms of pain and you know yeah. so or not I, I remember being prescribed unisom by my <sighs> midwife because that was the safest thing in her opinion to help me sleep because i i couldn't sleep laying mm-hmm. down i had to be sitting up and um and so several people have asked me like well what if i just like took a hit of a high CBD is that okay and it right now it has like one of the toughest classifications it's like an L5 category based on one person's opinion about (laughs) about this drug and somebody went and like challenged it and showed like evidence wise why he was wrong and why something Mm -hmm. like oxygen I think has a level three Mm -hmm. classification so they would much rather give you oxygen over taken a hit of cannabis. It's crazy to me. And, you know, honestly, they prescribe narcotics and things during pregnancy sometimes too. You know, some of the things that they give and call safe, I just feel like we live in a backwards world. I mean, I know you feel that way too. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, um, it's hard to say, and I have to watch my words here really carefully, but I'll tell you what I know in the studies. So there's not a lot, right? And when things go recreational, everyone freaks out thinking, oh, everyone's going to think it's safe. And I do Mm -hmm. think that there's a lot of misinformation given out at dispensaries and from bud tenders who say, oh yeah, if you have morning sickness or you have pain in pregnancy, this is safe. Mm -hmm. I want to advise that I do do not think THC is safe at all. Um, I do, you know, CBD is a different story and there's very little studies on CBD Mm -hmm. alone. I will say the very few studies that have been done show that there could be an increased permeability of the placenta from CBD. So with that being said, if you're doing something with CBD and THC, it's going to let the THC into the bloodstream of the baby once the membrane is more permeable. So mm-hmm. you want to watch that, you know, um, and about, you know, a tenth of whatever, let's say someone smoked would reach the baby. So, um, you know, there are some things about 
you don't want to be giving, let's say, you know, narcotics. You don't want to expose those to a child and ping their opiate receptors, right? Mm-hmm. You want that to develop naturally. And, you know, there are studies that show there are developmental problems if, if you know, teenagers start before their brain fully develops as an adult. And I would expect the same to be true in a child developing. I do think CBD is much more safe than most of the narcotics and oxy and things that they give throughout pregnancy. However, are there verified studies to prove it? No, Um, there's very few. And so um, THC and definitely smoking should be avoided. I think this um, can cause complications of pregnancy and underweight children, Mm -hmm. Um, just like regular tobacco can if you smoke it. Um, And decreased blood flow to placenta, that's what does it, things like that. So, you know, really if you're going to use something medicinally, let's say you really don't have any other options in pregnancy um, and you really are at wit's end, you know, I don't think it's bad to have a little CBD every now and then. I mean, my Mm -hmm. goodness, if they knew how much we're in dated with chemical toxins everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a balancing game and really everyone needs to do their own research. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I will stress again, please no THC and be careful with CBD. So I was, um, I, I did hear, um, when you're talking about morning sickness, there, mm-hmm. there were a number of, uh, accounts of women who had, and I don't, I, I think I know the name. I don't know how to say it. It's the, the, like basically the morning sickness, the one that the Kate Middleton had where it lasts. Oh, hyperemesis syndrome. Yes. Yeah. And so women were using, um, I don't remember if it was CBD or if it had THC in it because it was the only way that they could keep food down and they felt like it was in their best judgment that if their, bod- their child, their developing child needed nutrients, I mean, they, they aren't the duchess, so they aren't able to have like round the clock care in their home taking mm. care of their their body right and they were able to have bring these babies to term um i would encourage other people to go to go obviously look at that but the guy who made the um the recommendation for the l5 category for cannabis as a whole regardless of um at level of thc like he quoted some studies that said you know there's significant um impact to weight and length but when you go look at the studies it's like a 0.08 centimeters a difference and like a 14 gram difference in weight and i mean these are seem more um statistical and not yes. clinical yes exactly i do agree with you on that you know absolutely um there's so much you know the medical studies peer-reviewed medical studies you're the, you're you're also an expert at researching these what does that mean <laughs> Yeah. You know. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, like your peers looked at it and agree with you. Right. Um, you know, is that I need to know who's funding studies. I need to know what's exactly. going on. And exactly. so <laughs> peel back the curtain of Oz, I swear. <laughs> but you know, that's the thing is, you know, these, like you said, it's technical, it's scientific, it's put into words. How much this is relevant in everyday real life experience is a totally different subject. Right. Yeah. And so on that note, though, with pregnancy, now you're a mom, um, you there is a stigma around mm-hmm. women, whether whether they're deciding to use a vape um, or whether they're just having like the little CBD drops. Mm-hmm. Um, you see pictures all the time on social media of like, is it five o'clock yet? And they've got a martini <laughs> with their kid hanging off of them. But if they've got a bottle of CBD oil, it is like outrageous. I'm going to call CPS on you. It's so crazy. I'm like, this stigma has got to stop. It's crazy. It's <laughs> People crazy. People got to expand their knowledge on what exactly is happening, um, what exactly that product is. And um, 
yeah, it's like I can, I should get drunk with my, with my kids because it's five o'clock and I need the stress relief, but I'm not allowed to have CBD to have a mood boost. I mean, it's crazy to me. And you know, with the new, there was a new study. I know you know about it recently came out that said no alcohol is healthy. None. Zero. We were lied to the whole time. Yeah, I, you know, even from like an antioxidant perspective from red wine, because I think a lot of a lot of Italians mm-hmm. and like from the Mediterranean side would say like, no, 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 don't take my red wine. Oh, I trust me. I like red wine too. I love resveratrol. It's amazing. I have it in, in my inflammation master, actually. Um, I know it's wonderful, but I actually think they've bastardized the alcohol industry just like they did the food industry. And, right. and, and so it's the additives and nastiness, nitrites, sulfites, and table wine more so than, um, you know, the the actual alcohol. But, you know, that's the thing. People think that it's okay and it's healthy because it's, 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 you know, um, the stereotype now. And I agree with you how to make people more open-minded and willing to try things. Um, I think that goes back to looking to authority to make um, proper decisions for you rather than doing your own research. Like, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Jamie mm-hmm. here. Go and read on your own and formulate your own opinions. Don't just listen to authority because they don't have real life experience in your life. So Right. And what I tell everybody, absolutely do your own research. But one of the first things you do when you read a study, I read the, I read the title of the article. I look at the conclusion the abstract and then I look at the authors I look their names up and I look at who funded the study that's I right. mean it, it that's always my steps before I even bother reading it okay you've concluded that this is this is harmful and who paid you oh Mark okay <laughs> yeah and you know they're supposed to disclose any conflicts of interest and there have been times that they haven't so it really is um, it's, it's just a wall of misinformation sometimes absolutely yeah so I'm very big on obviously the same as you um, mm. questioning everything so let's talk about edibles for a second yeah because edibles seem to have a market of their own. Um, maybe um, they are. Maybe they they can be used medicinally. But in my mind, they they seem to be more recreational. Um, in uh, you know, you want to like maybe have a buzz. Um, we and because we've looked at a number of things to manage a number of issues, whether it's back pain or so is it better for my husband to have a little bit um, internally? You know, you, you take one of those blueberries and I have seen people like flat on their backs from a blueberry. <laughs> and uh, and so, you are, you know, we both follow Olivia, Organic Olivia, yeah. and she's amazing. And she was posting a bunch of cannabis stuff and I was like screenshotting it all. But she had mentioned, first of all, there's a book called Potatoes, Not Prozac. And she was saying that potatoes, like people who, if they take too much THC, can have potatoes or potato chips because they like change the neurochemistry and they calm your brain down. Oh, wow. Is that, have you heard that? I have not. I heard that actually. I was like, well, isn't that interesting? If you, I mean, if it does turn out to be true, you're like, you get the munchies. Well, let's have some potato chips. Let's that's that's the answer, right? It, it satisfies that craving and it yeah. can bring you down if you get too high. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, CBD. Uh, CBD actually, if you get too high from THC, can counter and temper the effects. So yeah, it's good to know. So if you have like some just CBD oil on hand and someone gives you an edible and you think you're going to die, you think think it's Joe Rogan who said, you know, you could eat like a leg off a gummy bear and feel like you're going to die sometimes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, this is such a demonized plant and it's just really not called for most of the time. And I'll tell you, you know, you brought up edibles. I completely agree with you about edibles. I think they're more recreational. um, And the reason is because 
A, I, you know, I have a bone to pick with many of them. They, they promote themselves for, you know, people who have chronic diseases or pain or cancer, and then they have all these additives and chemicals and processed sugar in the them. The rolled in sugar, yeah. It's awful. It's really, there's nothing clean about them. I'm like, where are the enlightened people making the edibles? Right. Actually, my best friend back in West Virginia does this, and she makes amazing ones without fillers. But it's rare. Oh, that's perfect. It's yeah. rare. Yeah, and so... Um, You know, with edibles, too, the other problem with them is you never know what someone's gut is like or how much it can absorb or if they have any Mm -hmm. malabsorption effects or how much acid. And so we can't really um, gauge how people are going to feel with an edible because how much of the acid is going to kill it so it makes the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. We don't know. So the medicinal quality of edibles is just really not there. They're so hard to predict. Yeah, that's a a really good point. I never thought about that. So you could technically be absorbing too little or even like wasting it's sort of like if you take like 200 vitamins a day like you're basically peeing it out anyway yes. like you're not really absorbing it yes and you know the acid destroys so much i mean this is the problem with probiotics right and so you know it doesn't make it past the stomach acid you know it's right. hard sometimes with smoking you bypass that um you know um with oils it's a little bit easier to to predict because we can see exactly how many milligrams are per drop you know, so we can kind of predict mm-hmm. a little bit more. And topically, too, you don't have to worry about that. Right. So I just think there are other more medicinal options, you know, unless yeah. you just want to have fun. <laughs> have you um, contact high? Is that really a thing? If I'm smoking and my husband's not, but he can – it's can he get – No, you know, no. I've never – I really think that's more of a wife's tell. I think animals are more like that, more sensitive to, like, to, to that than humans are. Interesting. You know, yeah. And yeah. – because we had talked about just um, uh, state laws in general, just real quick. Um, yeah. If if a state has legalized it for recreational use, is there a reason to have a medical card anymore? Well, that's a great question, actually. Um, you know, yes, in some places, and you know, this the laws vary from state to state, so it's really hard to keep up with the individual laws for individual states. Mm-hmm. But in general, um, most states provide a tax break for those who have a medicinal card, because oh. as you know, this stuff can get really expensive quick, right. and so it is nice not to have a huge tax burden on that sometimes. And then also, you know, some people still work, uh, you know, nine to fives where they're not as open minded, and right. you know, if anything ever push came to shove or, you know, they were asked to prove something there, you have a medicinal card with a doctor's signature saying that this is part of your treatment. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I forgot about the tax break, or at least, you know, you get a little bit of a discount. And as particularly if you are going to source the cleaner stuff without additives and fillers, it's going to be more expensive because people might be comparing two products and say, oh, this one's less, I'll get this one. But really you might not be getting... Um, anywhere near what the more high quality, um, more concentrated, cleaner version Yes, is. and that's an excellent point too. A lot of times you will have a different, um, a whole different um, options to choose from in a dispensary or wherever you go because you do have a card. That's true. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I um, have a few questions sure. um, that came in through Instagram sure. and I'm just going to kind of scroll through these. I don't know how much time we have and what we haven't um, 
what we haven't covered because some people are asking, is is THC (laughs) bad? Uh, Cannabis during pregnancy, which we've already talked about. Weed for autoimmune issues. Yeah. So that's a great question. Yeah. So, you know, autoimmune issues, they usually stem from things like gut problems and inflammation. And so what I tell people all the time is cannabis and CBD in general, some of the most anti-inflammatory substances on the planet. They have a huge safety profile and window, so you can feel free to dose. There's never been one death known to be caused from cannabis unless someone was driving on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, so that I want people to feel safe to be able to titrate their CBD oil or hemp oil or whatever they choose to use. And um, I, I want you to know that it does help inflammation. It does help pain. I mean, you've heard Janie here talk about her husband's back pain and how the topicals really helped with that. I mean, it's a miracle for some people with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, really helps the pain. And, and so, um, you know, not every substance and what route you choose to use will help every single person. So feel free to experiment because this is something that can really help treat emotional and physical pain. And so um, on that note with like physical pain, do you know much about RSD or CRIPS? RSD is in um, the dystrophy? Gosh. Yes. Yeah. And, and CRIPS, which is like a... Um, let me just look up what the actual name is, complex regional pain syndrome. Yeah, actually, I have a couple patients with it. So we, um, from what I understand, it's pretty rare. And mm-hmm. I, we have a couple people in our lives that, that have it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of those people um, has, it took about, I think, 18 months to wean themselves off of the pharmaceutical drugs um and there there's a lot there's a lot of drugs that he was taking and pain management of just being elevated up and up the chain of of the pain management side and so so cut to like okay he would he would cut one pill in half and then um you know take that for a week and then he would cut that one in half and take that one for a week like just in, in terms of weaning one himself off of one pill at a time and so now what he does is he grows um his favorite marijuana in his in his yard and then he makes uh, cannabis infused butter <laughs> and then he takes that butter and makes brownies and that he went from taking huge amounts of medication to makes one pot brownie a night and that's it <laughs> and and that that is his medication and he because he was you know challenged by you know he he saw what was happening to his body and you know so many people in his life were like this medication is going to kill you and for people who don't know about like the the crips it is debilitating it's yes. chronic pain it's it's nerve pain but so now the other person in our life who is on the pain regimen he was um you know let's say 10 years ago before he started to wean himself off um we're, we're, we're like maybe maybe you should try this do you think like they would have the same kind of experience or is just everybody different like she she might respond differently to what he did she might respond differently to what he did depending on the endocannabinoid system you know if it really is haywire and needs some love and support i mean i've seen people be knocked out and groggy with cbd oil like there's something happening there if that happens right. to you you know and i'll tell you i'll tell you a story really quick while preserving patient confidentiality so i have a patient right now she's a friend of mine. Hi, A, if you're listening. And so um, she actually has complex regional pain syndrome. And um, it happened after an emotional um, stressor, an argument with her mother. And then she got stitches in her finger. And the stitches over time began to swell and cause pain and that didn't go away until they removed them. And then she was standing in her closet thinking about the fight with her mother and nerve pain spread all over her body. 
And it's never gone away. It's never gone away. So she, um, I've encouraged her to use CBD and low-dose naltrexone, and we've stopped her pain. Really? Yes. So when you say CBD, is this topical or is this drops? Drops. Okay. But you can do both. You know, they both work in different... That's safe to use both if people would like. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was even thinking, like, I'm like, well, you probably should ingest it because you'll get more of it, but that's not necessarily true. Like, it just... You kind of have to experiment what works best totally, for you. Totally. Totally. And I would say that the majority of people, if I had to guess, would get more out of it orally, you know? Um, and I will also say that I, the reason I think that it works so well, sometimes people need THC and the psychoactive effect because what it does is it puts you in a different headspace. And you can view things that are painful, such as emotional traumas, from a different perspective. And that's healing because, as mm-hmm. you know, Janie, emotional stuff causes physical manifestations down the road all the time. So if I can unravel that ball of emotion and stress and thoughts in people's head with whatever modality it takes to have them perceive it a different way, that's healing. Right. That's that's a great point. Yeah. Um, one other question I totally sure. forgot um, sure. because somebody somebody brought up. I'm like, oh, we didn't even talk about this. Was <laughs> the the different types like indica versus sativa oh, yes. versus blends? Do you want to explain that? Sure. So um, I will explain to people that this is more the phenotypic um, description of the plant. So it's more these days about what the plant looks like um, than it is actually what it's made up of. Because nowadays, and dispensaries have kind of capitalized on this, saying, oh, this is a sativa. It's energized and it'll keep you awake. Here's an indica. It's more slinking to the couch. It's good mm-hmm. for bedtime. They sort of capitalized on those buzzwords, but nowadays there's so much crossbreeding between plants that most of us don't even know and a lot are hybrids. And right. so, you know, sativa is a more slender leaf, longer leaf, indica is shorter and stubbier with fatter leaves. And it's really just the physical description of the plant these days more so. But in general, if you want to be technical, sativa is more energizing, indica is more relaxing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, two questions about children. Mm-hmm. One is how how is it helping children with um, seizures? And the other one was, is has it been shown to help kids with autism? Yes. So um, for seizures, this is really one that um, a lot of, if you're wanting to look at studies, this is one that you can find studies on. And I say that because, you know, they're just coming out with a Polydex, which is the $30,000 medication for refractory seizures in children. So they had to have studies to kind of um, you know, back that medication, right? Ah. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of stuff on um, refractory seizures and cannabis um, right now in neuro- neurology studies. And I do think, you know, if you go to the States and you go get a medical card, that's one of the ways to get exempt for it is do you have seizures? And so it really does help calm a hyperactive brain that way. It really does. Um, and as far as autism goes, so, you know, um, well, first, let me back up. I'll tell you a story. When I was working giving medical cards in California, a mother came in with a little girl who was eight, and she hadn't made eye contact with her mother since she was an infant because she had continuous epileptic seizures. And they, um, she literally you know, couldn't move, was shaking the whole time. The, the rep for the CBD company happened to be there, and they gave her 20 drops of CBD oil in her G-tube. She can't mm. even swallow. And that little girl stopped seizing right in front of us 15 minutes later and made eye contact with her mother. And That's everyone amazing. in the clinic cried. 
I'm thinking about crying. (laughs) It was beautiful. And so I've witnessed it firsthand. I know that it's helpful for seizures. And this is what Charlotte's Web was developed for, correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's how they realized that we didn't need THC all the time. You know, they made a formula without THC for this little girl. So, yeah. And so... um, as far as autism goes, I have I haven't had personal experience with this as I don't treat, treat children, but I've heard many, many, many stories, and the science is there. You know, this is again, I feel like children trapped in their own bodies almost, and so they have a lot of gut, gut problems and inflammatory right. problems, and so you know, removing the inflammation. Um, really treating the uh, hyperactive brain, sometimes they're really angry, you know, can make a world of difference in their moods and their stabilization, the ability to talk and comprehend things. And so, you know, some of these children, you'll meet doctors who will say, hey, they need a little more THC. Um, and that's really a specialized niche that I don't get into, but I don't judge either. I'm sure that some children do need that and their their mental status is, you know, benefits a little bit. Um, but in general, CBD, um, I have seen it help with moods definitely in some of those cases. Okay, good. Yeah. So somebody asked a a good question was what to look out for with vapes. And Mm -hmm. that reminded me that there, I, I heard that there was an issue with a lot of the vapes have, um, formaldehyde or if I'm not sure if that's in the product, like they insert into the vape. Do you know? You know, I hope not with formaldehyde. I do know that there's a lot of propylene glycol, which is too, you know, gross. Um, And you really need to be careful the way that the fillers and the extraction process with that. If you're going to use a vape, I really, you know, there's not a lot of studies done on them. And even e-cigarettes have come with cadmium, you know, heavy metal toxicity. So you really have to do the research on how they're extracting and ask them questions and they should know how they're decarboxylating the product. Um, Decarboxylating. So it's CO2 CO2 extraction. It's actually removing a carbon group and making Making it um, the oil be able to be vaporizable, and so and, the, and CO two extraction is the safest way to do that as far as the vape pens go. Okay, yeah. so it, people should be able to email the the company and say, "Do you use CO two extraction?" If they say no, that's probably a red flag. Correct. Or I don't know. That would be a red flag. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Do you have time for? Sure. A little bit more. Okay. Sure. Um, so, oh gosh, I'm getting a lot of questions about pregnancy. So I'm glad we talked about it. But they, <laughs> somebody asked um, regarding pregnancy: Are the Jamaica studies legit? Ah, I know exactly what studies they're talking about. So basically, this is an older study. I can't remember when it was done, and forgive me, I can't remember who did it. But it was a study about you know Jamaican women. You know that you know yeah. they they smoke. It's part of their yeah. culture. It's you know cannabis is how they grew up, and so when they get pregnant, they don't really quit. <laughs> is what we found out. Right. And so okay. know, here's the thing is, who's going to conduct a study to have pregnant women smoke and partake in weed unless they're already doing it? It's not ethical. So what they did was they went down there and they watched these women who were going to use no matter what. And what they found was that their children had improved motor skills and um, walked sooner and I believe talked sooner too. Um, it was just flabbergasting. Um, so, you know, this is a legitimate study. <laughs> 
Interesting. No, that's good to know. Yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea what she was talking about when she said Jamaican studies. I just yeah. took a shot in the dark and you knew exactly what it was. So. Yeah, I've, I've had it sent to me before and I've looked at it before and it's just, I mean, you should look it up. It's amazing. But it goes against all other studies that we've seen that where it can damage the baby's brain development possibly or, you know, cause low birth weight and misdevelopmental mis- milestones. It goes against all that. Um, oh, also one thing regarding migraines. Um would you say that, um, a, that cannabis is assisting with migraines, um, and B, what would be, is it more of a high THC mm-hmm. and it, is it more effective with smoking versus like, I, I, I pictured like somebody rubbing a, a topical on their forehead or something. It like, does any of those have a, any better effect than others? Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. So you're right. You know a lot about this, actually. So when I went in and I did my cannabis lecture at A4M, one of the things that scared me because the DEA was there was I gave format dosing ratios. Oh. (laughs) Just rubbing it right in their face. And so um, one of the things that I talked about was migraines and how um, that is a THC-dominant condition. Um, And you really don't want to give more than 20 to 25 milligrams in a setting, especially if someone's more naive to it. Um, But even with migraines, you don't want to give much more than that. It 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 definitely is not like tension or stress headaches, which are more of a CBD-dominant condition. The studies show that they do need a little bit more THC to really alleviate those migraines a lot of times. Now, this is ingesting or smoking or... Um, Ingesting, yeah, ingesting for whatever way, yeah, oral, you know, orally, Rick Simpson oil, whatever it is. Gotcha. Yeah, and, you know, I never thought about putting it on the forehead, but it makes sense because you think about, like, peppermint oil in the temples. Exactly. That's what I was thinking (laughs) is, like, you know, if I ever get a headache, um, I would put peppermint oil directly in. And what my thought was, is it more of the smell that's alleviating alleviating the headache versus Mm. the Mm -hmm. ingredient. So I'm not sure. Um, Mm. It's interesting. I'll try that. (laughs) So anyway, um, I think we covered a lot of ground here. I hope this was helpful for everybody. Um, Did you have anything else that you felt like we missed that we wanted, that you wanted to make sure people knew? I don't think so. You asked, you know, I've been on quite a few CBD podcasts right now and I think you went in deeper than anyone else. So I hope everyone gets a lot of information from this. Unfortunately, I don't have all the answers. No one does right now, but the more education, and open-mindedness and willingness we have, we can swing that whole um, energy and collective the way we want with education. And so together, we are really powerful in this movement. Awesome. I totally agree. Well, thanks again for coming on. And I think we got to mostly everybody's questions because a lot of them, they had the same ones. (laughs) And so um, hopefully this will be really helpful for everybody. I, I appreciate you having me on. It was great. So there you have it. There's the big cannabis information I have been promising you for the past year or two. I can't even remember, but in all honesty, I feel like this was the perfect format. And to have Dr. Jess on, you know, for the full hour, being able to expand on the questions and cover so much ground and go a little bit deeper with studies and um, some intricate questions, particularly around pregnancy and topical versus ingesting and, you know, different types of of pain and management and how everybody is different. And so we mentioned a few things like looking for clean green certified. If you are really interested in getting the most quality, uncontaminated, um, less treated product. And um, so that would be my recommendation is to look those up, see what brands qualify uh, for that certification. And 
of course, look at your state law and make sure you act within that. And, you know, hopefully you're able to find use of the product in whatever form in the legal fashion that's best for you and your family. To follow along with Jess, you can find her online at drjess.com. And I know that she opens up consultations. She does remote appointments if you had any interest in that. she I know that she releases them and they book very fast. She also shares a lot of her knowledge on Instagram and posts and stories at, at drdr.jess.md. Dr. 